To begin a new message tonight, we're going to talk for a couple of weeks on this subject and just coming out of the love series and talking about marriage. How many of you enjoyed that series? How many got something out of that series? Come on, how many are glad that your spouse heard that series? Come on, let's just be honest. Come on, then the other spouse, how many are glad that your spouse heard that too? And um, there's so many great things that we've talked about, but like everything and anything from God's Word. It's great to hear, but we can't just be a hearer. The Bible says we need to be a doer. We need to put it into application of what we have heard. For the next couple of Wednesday nights, I want to talk about this. This is my subject for the next two weeks. Stay with me. Are you ready? All called, but not all chosen. Think about that. All called, but not all chosen. When you first hear that, you may kind of say, that kind of surprises me right there. Hold on a second. All called, but none are chosen. Hold on a second. I thought God's word said that he is no respecter of persons. So that means he has called and chosen everyone. Well, you are right to a certain extent when you say that because God is no respecter of persons. But what that really means is this. God is going to judge mankind. The same way, no matter who you are, the judgment and the way God deals with us is going to be the same across the board. You may use other scriptures and say, hold on about this. God says that he doesn't will that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. If you're using scriptures like that, you are correct. But when we use scriptures, we've also got to realize that it's important to use them in the right context. I understand that. I understand that God doesn't will that any should perish, that he's no respect of persons. I know that God wants everyone to be saved, but the sad reality is this. All are called, but few are chosen. And you've got to understand this. It's not the few that are chosen, meaning they have been chosen by God. Well, you're going to be saved and you're not. That's not what it's talking about. The call of God is for whoever. And the fact of being chosen is available for whoever. But here's the key. We have to make the choice. Come on. I said we have to make the choice. Here's the truth. The call is for everyone. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He doesn't want anyone to miss out. One of the saddest things, I think, on the story of the crucifixion was the two thieves that hung beside Jesus, knowing their fate, knowing that they were condemned, knowing that they were literally perhaps even seconds away from death, but yet one still blasphemed and cursed God, knowing his fate. 
And the other on the side said, will you remember me in paradise? All called, but few have chosen. Few have chosen to accept the call and to give their lives and to live for him. You know, there's a lot of people who have heard the call in church. But there's very few that have chosen. Come on, I'm preaching to you tonight. You see, the reason why I want to talk on this subject is this. Coming to church doesn't save you. I said, coming to church doesn't save you. If you work in McDonald's, that's not going to make you a Big Mac. Unless you eat a lot. In the same situation, we can say, well, I'm called and God's called me and he knows my, and all these. That's great. But listen, here, there's a greater place that I believe that God wants us to live. And that is this, not just thinking we're saved, but living a life that is producing fruits worthy of repentance. That we are producing life. Few have really chosen. It's not that God's choosing us. Get that out of your head. He has chosen the whole world. He's called the whole world. But yet there is a choice of whether you and I are going to choose to live for him. Look at this scripture from Matthew 20 verse 16 because this is where I get it from. I like to take things from the scripture. I said I like to take things from the word of God because when we take them from the word of God, guess what? You can dispute it all you want, but it's God's word. At the end of the day, it's God's word. So Matthew 20 verse 16 says these words. So the last will be first and the first will be last, not last, last. So the, first, the last will be first and the first will be last for many are called but few chosen. Jesus has just taught a parable here in Matthew 20 about workers in the vineyard. Those that worked for different lengths of time. Some went early in the morning and they agreed to work for about $40 was the pay that they agreed to work for. But later, the owner of the vineyard goes back and he still sees some people not working. So he takes them and says, I'll give you something. Come and work with me. Later in the day, he even goes back one hour before knockoff time. One hour, about five o'clock at night and the six o'clock, they were, the bell was ringing and they were finished for the day. He goes back and there's still someone not working. He says, come on in and work. So when the bell rings at the end of the day, they all line up. But he does something. He doesn't start at the front of the line. He goes to the back of the line. He goes to where the person who's just shown up for one hour is standing. And he gives him $40. So the next person in line thinks, wow, if he's getting 40 bucks, I've been working three hours. So that means I'll probably get at least 50. He gets 40. So the next person inside says, well, he's only worked three hours. I'll work five hours. Come on, surely that's worth. He gets 40. And then all of a sudden they get to the front of the line and the people who have worked all day are thinking, come on, I'm definitely. And what do they get? They get 40. They grumble and complain. But what is trying to be shown through this parable? What is Jesus trying to prove? What point is he trying to show us? He's trying to show us this. The fact that we can all be chosen as well as called. What do I mean by that? 
Why? Because the fact that I can choose to accept Christ, the calling that he placed on my life, he's showing us here that the way that we become chosen of God is to realize the grace that he has towards us. Because even though we've just worked one hour, we're still getting the same reward as those who have worked for hours and hours and hours. To each he is given the same reward. But what will you and I do with that grace? The last shall be first and all are called. But few have chosen. Chosen what? To realize the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness that God has for every one of us. And that's really what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about standing up in the crowd and saying, here I am, God, pick me. God, I want to make a choice to be chosen by you. I don't want to just sit in a pew any longer. I don't want to hide my Christianity. I don't want to have the gift of life and share it with no one. Ooh, 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 God, pick me. Choose me. Don't pass me by. I like that song that we sang tonight. Don't pass me by. Don't overlook me. I want to be a history maker. I want to be used by you. Not because of what? Not because of my merits. Because I may have only just worked one hour. But God doesn't judge us on our merits. He judges us on the fact of His grace. Realizing what? That I can't do anything to earn it. But all I've got to do is make a choice to live God's way. To live life fully trusting in God. I'll be the first one to put my hand in the air and say, I need God. I need God's grace and I need God's mercy every day. Why? Because I want to be chosen of God and I don't hit the mark every time. I don't say the right things. In fact, my wife told me today she's going to get a muzzle for me. Can you believe that? We were playing around today and I was joking with Kelly and she said, I'm going to get a muzzle for you. Sometimes I've got the knack of opening my mouth and saying things that I shouldn't say. We were in the grocery store the other day and this cute little kid. So I told the lady, wow, your daughter is beautiful. And she looked at me and she goes, if it was a boy, if it was a girl, wouldn't she have pink on? It was a boy. I've been in places before where I said to someone, when are you due? And they said, I'm not even pregnant. Come on, help us, Jesus. I mean, I've said some stuff in my life. I need the grace of God. Come on, I've done some stuff I'm not proud of in my life. Is anyone going to leave me hanging or is someone going to fess up with me in the house? But you know what? God's called me. But more than that, I've chosen to heed the call. I've chosen to follow. Isn't that wonderful that in my imperfections that God can still pick me? That his call is just, his call is to everyone, but it's up to us whether we want to accept that call. Or not. I want to be picked by God. And not to be redundant tonight. But God doesn't pick me based on the fact of my merits. But God picks me on the sole fact that I desire to be chosen by Him. That I desire to be used by Him. It's not like the playground. Remember the playground when you were out on the playground and you had to pick teams? And you decided who was going to pick first. And if you were really smart and you started picking, you took the best person first. 
And if the best person was already taken, you would take your best friend or people you liked. I'll have him, I'll have her, I'll have him, I'll have her, and I'll have him. And then it would go down the line. And the poor person at the end was, you can have him. (laughs) Come on, how many remembers that? Hope you weren't the one at the end that everyone was trying to throw backwards and forwards. But you can have him. No, I don't want him. Well, you can. No, I don't want them. You see, what was it? The merits of man's choice is from the best down. But what did God say? The last shall be first. You see, God messed all that up in a good way. Why? Because God gives hope to everyone. There's a call. I said there's a call. But few have chosen to heed that call. Well, I'm not good enough. It doesn't matter. The call, God's still calling your name. God says, I still want to use you. But here's the clincher. You've got to desire. You've got to heed the call. You've got to choose God. You see, the call is His. But the choice is yours. The call is His. But the choice is yours. You can live as a part of the called. Or you can live as a part of the chosen. What do you want to be? Called or chosen? You know, here's the fact of being called. And I'm not trying to start a new doctrine here that there's two levels of salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. But I believe that God saved us for a purpose. I mean, I really believe God saved you for a purpose. Because if God did not have a purpose for your life, the best thing God could have done is save you and take you to heaven. Why? Because then you wouldn't have run the risk of messing up and screwing up and not making it. God could have just taken you right there and then and he would have had every right to do that. And believe me, you would not have complained. No more problems, no more sorrow, no more pains, no more bills, no more this, no more that. God would have taken us. But why did he leave us? You think God left us for us to suffer? I think God left us because there's a lot of suffering people that are around us every day. There's a lot of lost people around us every day. So God said, okay, now you've heeded the call. Now you've chosen to give your life to me. Now there's a purpose, there's a destiny for your life. There's a lot of called people who will probably make it to heaven. But you see, chosen people realize there's more at stake than just your salvation. Are you getting the picture? There's more at stake than just the fact I'm saved. A chosen person realizes what? It's about that one. Thank God for the 99, but the good shepherd did not rest with just one lost. We could have counted our losses and said that was pretty good odds. But the good shepherd left the 99 safe to go after, to hunt down, to find that one. That's living part of the chosen That we are looking for the one. That lost soul. That one that hasn't heard. That one that hasn't received Christ. I wonder how many people in our world, because we all live in different worlds. I wonder how many people in our world have never heard of God. They've heard of religion. They've heard of rituals and rites. But I wonder how many have heard about relationship. You see, God's call is for whoever. But those who have chosen to heed the call now need to take the call. 
to others around. We can't choose salvation for them, but we can make it so appealing and appetizing that they'll look and say, what is it about you? I'm not just a Christian. Come on, how many are glad that you're not just a Christian? Hi, I'm a Christian. I mean, if you've got to wear a badge that's saying you're a Christian, you're probably not a Christian. Come on, the Bible says that you'll, you'll be known by your fruits, not your gifts. Well, you can preach and you, God's not impressed by those who can preach. God's not impressed by all those who speak in tongues and prophesy and all that. Because when you stand before God, God's not going to say, good job, good message, I liked it. You're not going to be judged for your gifts. You're going to be judged according to the fruit of your life. You see, there's a lot of called people. But there's a few who have really chosen to stand out, to step up and say, God, I want to go to the plate and I want to hit one out of the park for you. Isn't it time that we step up? We can get so lazy in church and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But it's amazing how we can come every Wednesday, we can come every Sunday, we can do all our things, we can read our Bibles every day. You know something that God's been really dealing with me about reading my Bible and that is this. Am I reading to finish? Or am I reading to really learn? Because I read a certain amount every day and God's been challenging me by saying, Philip, it's like you're just flying through those to say I've read my Bible. Are we reading our Bible just to finish and say I read my Bible? Or are we really reading it to learn? I think that shows the called and the chosen, doesn't it? Just doing something out of obligation instead of doing something out of desire. That's the difference. You see what I'm saying? You shouldn't have to be forced to pray. You shouldn't have to be forced to come to church. You shouldn't have to be forced to give. People shouldn't have to stand up and say, you know, God's word says it should be alive in you because, yes, the call is out there. But when you have chosen to live for God with everything inside of you, you should look for every opportunity and every means possible to go above and beyond the call and live as part of the chosen. Come on, I'm trying to stir you up tonight. I'm just trying to give you some life tonight. I'm just trying to say, you know, church is normal, really is not cutting anymore. Come on, we, we've got to step up. We've got to start being abnormal. Come on, we've got to start seeing not the natural, but the supernatural take place. We've got to start seeing God move. And God is going to move, but you know how he chooses to use move? Through vessels like us. Well, I'm a Christian, but are you chosen? Or better said, have you chosen to really give everything to God? It's time to step up into the purpose and the destiny that God has for your life. Realizing there's another level to enter in. You know, I've heard this said so many times and it's so true. Other levels, other devils. There's always going to be an adversary who's out there to fight you. But you know what? I'm not going to let him stop me. I'm going to keep on keeping on. Because you know what? If the devil's waiting for me tomorrow, that means I've done some good today. Come on, think about it, because he ain't going to waste his time. Why? Because Satan ain't omnipresent. That means if he's with you today, he's leaving Doug alone. So he's picky and choosy where he goes. So if you're really doing something for God, he's going to really come after you. But if you're just sitting in cruise control and doing nothing, he probably hasn't ruffled your feathers much lately. Oh, we know that he's got a lot of other people working for him. A lot of them are churchgoers. Did you know that? Maybe you're signed on his payroll. Because you see, when we're just living called, there's a different to the few chosen. 
I want to be picked by God. I want to be his choice. But picked for what? Bishop, I want to be picked for service. That's it. I don't want the position. I don't want the glory. I don't want the honor. I don't want the fame. You know, I pray that nearly every day. God, I pray that our church will grow. And here's God what I want to happen. I don't want the church to grow so everyone will know who Pastor P is. I want this church to grow that God will be known in this house. I don't, want, I don't care about having to walk in every restaurant and people say, that's the pastor of the biggest church in Baton Rouge and people know me. I want people to know God. Because you know what? They can know me all they want, but knowing me ain't going to get them into heaven. It's only knowing God that's going to get them to heaven. I don't care if my name is ever on a sign or ever on a piece of paper or whatever. I don't care when people come into this church or I go out and play golf or do whatever with Mr. Huss. And when they hear I'm the pastor, they laugh because they think he's the pastor. That doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me when I walk into a restaurant and, and you get in a conversation with people and you start talking and, and, and you ask them what they do and what they're going to college for. And they get all excited and they ask you what you do. And they go, I'm a pastor. They go, wow, you're a pastor? That doesn't bother me. That excites me. For what reason? Why? Because I want to make his name great. Yes, there's a call, but I want to be chosen. I want to be handpicked for service. Because you see, man's method is, I want to be recognized. I want to get the glory. That's man's. That's the flesh inside of every one of us that tries to rear its ugly head. But you know what? God says, if you want to be the greatest, be the servant of all. Can you believe at Jesus' last meal, the last supper with his disciples, they were arguing around the table who was the greatest? Jesus is broken hearted, about to die for humanity. And people who should know better are fighting around a table who's the greatest. I mean, how sad is that? How sad can we be in our response? You see, one of the first steps we've got to take, and it's very simple, is this. We've got to start taking responsibility for our lives. We talked about this on Sunday morning when it comes to our marriages on the reward cycle. What is the reward cycle? Regardless of his love or regardless of her respect, we're going to still keep loving. We're going to still keep respecting. We're going to do our responsibility. We can point the finger and blame everyone else, but at the end of the day, it's my responsibility how I talk. It's my responsibility how I think. It's my responsibility how I act. It's my responsibility how I live. I can't blame the devil for that. It's my responsibility. You see, called, blame everyone else, but chosen, realize. It's my responsibility. It's all on me. That means if I'm taking, therefore, responsibility of my life, come on, that means I'm going to talk different. Hello? That means my talk's going to change. Someone don't have to tell me that you shouldn't curse when you're a Christian. Come on, my talk changes because there's a spirit, the Holy Spirit, that begins to rise inside of me. That it begins to clean me out. Aren't you glad that God's Holy Spirit convicts us of wrongdoings in our lives? The way we think. We can't always control our thoughts. We can be driving down the car and bam, something can hit us. And we know where it came from, the pit of hell. But the Bible says we can bring those thoughts into captivity. What does that mean? We can control those thoughts and say, hey, no more. Get out. We can choose what thoughts we allow to be planted into our minds and that what take root and what are established. We can change the channel. Taking responsibility of my life means the actions of my life are going to change. 
Thank God we're on a process. The change may not be immediate, but there's a process of sanctification that God wants to take every one of us through. Called, but chosen. It's time to step to the plate, as I said, and be his pick. Not again because of what we see, because we may look at our lives and say, well, how could God use me? It's one of the biggest lies that Satan will use against you is your life, your past, your mouth, your failures. How many would be honest today that Satan's reminded you even today of something from your past? Bill got his hand up before I even finished that sentence. The devil's an accuser of the brethren, an accuser. But when he begins to remind you of your past, you need to turn the table and start reminding him of his future. Come on, you need to start shutting that down. Too many of us conversate with the devil. Too many of us talk too much with the devil and have a conversation with him. There's never going to go well when you start conversating with the devil. You see, because, again, we say, I want to be picked and I want to be used, but God, oh, how, oh, God, oh. It's amazing. You know, I've counseled with a lot of people to be married, and I'm myself, I'm divorced. People can look at me, and I've had people look at me and say, how can you counsel me and tell me that divorce is wrong and you yourself are divorced? I said, can I tell you why? I said, there's not one of us in here that could preach one word from this gospel because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Come on. It's not one of us that can preach a word, and I'm not justifying my life by one second, and neither should you. But what I'm saying is, because of the failures of my life doesn't change the fact that the word of God is still the truth. Just because things didn't go as planned as I thought in my life doesn't make God's word obsolete. God's word still says that divorce is wrong. God's word still gives promises and truth. God's word still says abortion's wrong. God's word still says all these things. So what do we do? Rip out that page because we can't preach that or teach that? Because we, that's how Satan would tell us. But you see, here's the thought. We're called, but the chosen turn around and realize, huh. I know I'm not man's choice. But what is it that God sees? What is it he's placed inside of me? Look at this scripture from 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. I love this scripture. Scripture, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. I love it. And it says this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know what that treasure is? Jesus. What's the earthen vessel? What's the clay pot? One translation says a clay pot. What is that? That's our body. That's the frame that we have. A frame that one day is going to go back to the dust from where it came. But there is a treasure inside of every one of us. That the excellence. You know why I love this scripture so much? Because it says this. There is something inside every one of us. That what? That the excellence. You know why it's so great? The excellence speaks of that which is beyond us. That which is beyond us, our doings in ourselves. When we turn around and say, well, how can God use me? There's a treasure inside of you that an excellence wants to come from that goes beyond your failures, your pasts, your mistakes. That what? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Whew. Takes it off me, doesn't it? Come on, it takes it off you right there. 
That's your answer to Satan right there. Hey, you know what? I don't have it all. And I know what you're saying. How can God use me? And how could God pick me? And why would God want me on his team? But you know what? He's put a treasure inside of me. He's put himself inside of me. What? That there would be an excellence that would spring out from beyond me. A power greater than I could ever hope for. Something that I could never imagine in my wildest dreams could do. But God says, because of his power inside of me, great things can begin to happen. We've got to stop believing the lie of what we see around us and start building our lives upon the power that's within us. Let me say that one more time. We've got to stop believing the lie of what we see around us and start building upon the life of the power that is within us. You've got to remind yourself it's all about His grace. It's because of His mercy and forgiveness. It's His unmerited favor. Let's look at someone quickly, and we're going to look more at them next week. But let's look at someone in the Bible that I know every one of us can relate to in some shape or form. Gideon. Gideon. A man that heard the call, but desired to be picked of God, saying, you know what, thank God for the call, but I'm going to choose to accept the call. A man that turned from an insignificant nobody, a coward, into a mighty warrior and a deliverer of Israel. One who did incredible exploits. Turn with me to Judges chapter 6. We're going to read some Bible tonight. So let's um, read together. So stay in Judges chapter 6. If you've got a real Bible, it's page 354. And the word of God says this in Judges 6 verse 1. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Midianites for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come also. And the Amalekites and the people of the east, they would come against them. And they would encamp against them and they would destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza. And leave no substance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number and they would enter into the land and they would destroy it. Verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Every year the enemy would come and steal everything they had, leaving them with nothing. How many would agree with me tonight, that wouldn't be a good place to be? It's not a good place to be. But why were they in that place? Let's look at verse 1 again. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They did evil. Say with me, wrong choices. They chose wrong. And as a, cho- as, a, as a result of their choice, they chose to impoverish their lives and put themselves almost in total ruin. Remember the first step that I told you we need to take in our lives is to what? Take responsibility. Remember that? We've got to take responsibility. So let's read on verse 7 through 10 and it says this. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites. 
that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and I brought you out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and I drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So what do we see has happened in the story? They sinned. As a result of their sin, they're impoverished, they're broken. You know, we can cry out so many times for God to deliver us from the place that we're at. But perhaps we need to first repent for the wrong choice that's placed us into that place. So what happens? They cried out to God. What happens? God heard their cry. What did he do? He sent a prophet. In other words, God sent his instruction. Aren't you glad that God always sends a word? There is always a word that God has for us. But, it had, but here's the deal. It's instructions that had to be what? They had to choose them. They had to accept them and they had to act upon them. You see, called chosen. The word of God came forth, but now they had to choose whether or not to accept it or not. You see, God sent them a word, not an easy way out. A lot of Christians just want an easy way out. Oh God, I'm I'm in financial problems. God, just give me that money. You know, money problems are never solved with money. You've got to realize that. So we pray for an easy way out. God, just give me an easy way out. Sometimes God doesn't always come through as we want. Why? Because he knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's best for our lives. So when you're grumbling and complaining that God's not working as you want to, you need to rather throw your hands in the air and thank him and allow him to work in the way that's best for your life. Oh, if we cry out to God, he's just going to send us the help. And then, you know, here's the thought. We can just go on living just how we were. That's called. But you see, there's another realm. Chosen. Chosen. He sent a word, not an easy way out. But listen to me. The word he sent was their deliverance. But all they had to do was choose to live by it. And here's where many in the church today lose the battle. Because they fail to step up and instead sit down. When the word comes, the calling of God. They fail to accept the call. And make a change. And say, God, but for your grace and mercy. But God, I know through your grace and mercy, you can use me. I accept the call. I choose for you to change me. You see, the word of God, just like the call of God, demands a response from us. Which will either result in us living in bondage or living in deliverance. There are too many Christians living bound today. Why? Because they have chosen to accept the circumstances of life instead of stepping to the plate and believing that there has to be more. Did you hear that? Don't settle. Step to the plate and realize there's more. As you read in this story here in Judges chapter 6, You've got to realize something, and I'm going to ask you tonight, where are the children of Israel right now when God is speaking to them and they're in bondage and they've lost everything? Where are they? Are they in Egypt? Hello? Are they still in the wilderness? Where are they? 
They're in the promise. They're in the promised land. Remember that land that God said, hey, when you get there, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, they're in the promise of God. They are living in the place that God prepared for them. But what's happened? They're looking around saying, this is the promise? I mean, this is what God, this is what, I mean, this is what God has. There's so many Christians today that have accepted the call of God, but they're not living as chosen. They're looking and saying, is this the promise? Is this what Christianity, is this what God is? You know, if we're questioning the fact that God is unkind, if we're questioning the fact that God is unloving, if we're questioning the fact that God is unmerciful, I'm going to say this, we don't really know God. We really don't. Because that's the last thing that could, should fall upon our minds. That wasn't what God intended for them to live like that. They were living like that because of their choice. Many are called, but few have chosen. They made the wrong choice. I want to move beyond the call. I want to be God's choice. I want to be everything that God has for me. So what do we learn from what we just read? We learn how the children of Israel were bound in their promise. But we also have seen something else today, that in that promise, we can still be God's choice. And we can still be God's pick. And we can still be part of his team. I'm going to give you the first point tonight, and I want you to come back for the next Five points next week. But here's the first point I want to leave with you tonight. Of course, we talked about taking responsibility. Many are called, few are chosen. Taking the responsibility of our life. But here's the first thought I want to give you tonight, and that is this. Don't let complacency into your walk. Don't let complacency into your life. Because complacency is going to affect your position in Christ. Come on, I said complacency is going to affect your position in Christ. You know what that word complacency can be better described as or defined as? Self-satisfied. We can get so self-satisfied. Well, that's just enough. As long as I'm saved, that's good enough. I'm just giving a little bit. That's good enough. I just don't like that song anyway, so I'm not singing. But at least I'm in church. That's good enough. Look what 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 says. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. In the first part of chapter 10, Paul is talking about the examples of the Israelites from the Old Testament, how they saw firsthand the provision of God, how they ate the manna, how God sustained them and gave them water in the middle of a wilderness. The Bible says, I believe it's in the New Testament, that the rock followed them. You can look at that and laugh, but I believe that God's provision followed them wherever they want. If that meant that the rock that water came out of followed them through a wilderness, I don't know if that was true or not, but I know this much. God supplied water for three million people plus every day in a wilderness. 
These people knew this every day. They knew the presence of God, that at night there would be a pillar of fire. In the day, there would be a pillar of cloud. And if they were to move, the presence of God would go. But if it would stay, it would stay over the judgment seat or the mercy seat, over the cherubim, over the Ark of the Covenant. They saw the presence of God. They ate the provision of God. But the Bible says that they still lusted in their hearts over evil things and foreign gods. And that's why Paul uses these words, take heed, be careful. But really that word take heed is be careful with an exclamation, not as a suggestion. Oh, I'd be careful if I was you. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, be careful. No question to it. Be careful. New Living Translation says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful. Don't become complacent. Base your life on the call instead of being chosen. Why? If you think you're standing called, be careful. Why? For many fall into the same sin. In other words, they go the same way of those listed as a warning. Quite a thought, isn't it? I've run out of time tonight and I haven't finished even about complacency tonight. But next week we're going to talk about the next step is developing a new lifestyle. Living like you're chosen. I believe you can live like you're chosen. The next step we're going to take is forgetting the past and embracing the future. It's going to be a good study. You need to be here. Moving from insignificance to your destiny. How many want to move into your destiny from a place of insignificance? Come on, you may say, well... People may look at you and say, well, they're not insignificant. You know some of the battles that we go through in our minds that make us insignificant? Next point we're going to talk about is moving from being a half into a whole. God said, he that began a good work in you is going to be faithful to complete it, make you whole. Moving from being a survivor to a servant. But I want to challenge you tonight. Many are called. But I wonder who of you tonight has chosen We know that God has called everyone. He doesn't will that any should perish. But I'm not talking even about just accepting Christ as Savior. Because that's accepting the call of God. But I want to take it one step further tonight. And I want those who would say, you know what? I want to be more than just a Christian on paper. I want to be a Christian in action. I want to accept the call. But yet I want to live chosen of God. Ooh, 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 ooh. Remember the kids out in the playground? And they want to be picked. Ooh, 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 ooh. Pick me. Jesus said we need to become childlike, doesn't he? Maybe some of us need to start. Ooh, 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 ooh. God, pick me. Not worrying about the talents or the gift. And some of those kids who are screaming the loudest to have the least talent. And they know in order to be picked, they have to make the greatest noise. Aren't you glad God doesn't pick you on talent? God picks you through the eyes of grace. He doesn't see you as you are. He sees you as you can be. And how you should be. He sees you in His image. Aren't you glad? He doesn't see me. When God looks at Doug, He doesn't see Doug. He sees an image of His Son. Aren't you glad? Would you stand to your feet with me tonight?
would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.